0: Don't we just Hi. love Mikey? Yes. Of course. How could you not? Good morning. Good morning. You've probably noticed my new white friend up here. His name is Whitey. I know you'll never believe that. Um. So we're going to be a little bit like a college lecture room today. Is that okay? And I want your feedback. I want to hear you tell me your answers. Because when I ask a question, I want an answer. OK. Do we have to You don't. Just shout it out. It'll be fun. You can. You can. So Gary, do you remember the Righteous Brothers? Yes, sir. Yeah. Who, who, who knows who that is? Here, let, let's do this. Who doesn't know who that is? This whole table is not raising their hand, yeah,, that right. You know we're going to play one of their songs, so go ahead, Rachel. the name of this song? Unchained Melody. Melody. That's good enough, thank you. That song is regarded as one of the most passionate love songs ever written. In fact a survey was done amongst people who know these things but nobody asked me and it was ranked number three. Now the problem is that the first two songs I'd never heard of (laughs) so you know they should have asked me because it would have been number one, right? I love that song. It's beautiful and it's cheesy and it's, it's um, a little bit silly. But what we know about people in love is what—they're <laughs> a little bit silly, yeah. And we love it, don't we? Of course, it's beautiful. But what makes that be what it is? It's this word called passion. Passion. Passion is not just about love, but if you have it running through your life, you will be a person who attacks things with more, what the Bible calls passion, zeal. Be zealous for God. What is that? Anybody ever wonder what that was? I'm in high school and somebody said, what zealous? Isn't that a Z word? my goodness i don 't even know what that is, so what do identify what, what do we identify as passion? Yeah, what, what do we think of it where, where is it what part of your life is it in okay. Emotions okay so we 've got emotions what what kind of emotions love, love. that 's the obvious one. Thank you, Mikey, for taking the obvious. Anger. Anger. Very good. What else? Happy? Can someone get me a darker color? Or red or black or maybe a dark green? Thank you, kind sir. Never come off. That one's terrible. <laughs> it's almost gray. <laughs> that, actually, that actually is the box from Children's Church. Yeah. So, what else do we got here? Sadness. You can be passionately sad, can't you? Is that a pretty good thing there? It's hard to see. It's hard to see. Well, we're working on it. Ah, okay. So, thank you, sir. We're sorry. This eraser is almost as good as the pens were. Yeah, we'll just go like this. (laughs) okay so yeah these are things that, that we could identify as places where people have passion or are passionate right what about this one If you're passionate about this fight, you are committed to it, aren't you? Yeah. When I was a freshman in high school, I did well enough wrestling that I got to go to the Western Nationals. There were 66 other boys in my weight class. And I was seated 33. And I lost my first match to a guy that was seated 6th. He later lost his next two matches and was out. I won my next two matches. So what does seeding really mean? It's important. You need it. But as the day wore on, I ran into the number one seed. Now, I grew up in Washington State, and I had heard of his family my whole life in the wrestling community. They were very famous on the western side of Washington State. And uh, I knew some guys in my weight class, you know, from, I'd only been gone from Washington a year, and they said, who do you have next? And I said, well, I, you know, I have this guy. And like, oh, have you lost yet? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been nice knowing you, Craig. Have a good vacation the rest of the summer. You know, you're pretty much done. Which, you know, I, I knew where they were coming from. But I was bound and determined not to lose, and the more... They said that to me the more passionate I became to beat him. So the ref blew the whistle, and in 45 seconds, I was having my hand lifted because I pinned him. And he was absolutely beside himself. His dad and his uncle were on the board of the Wrestling Federation, and they were coming out of the stands. They were citing every rule that had been broken prior to the match so that this match was no good and had to be thrown out and on and on and on. And my dad just stood there and said, he pinned him. He pinned him. But they weren't going to let it go. And apparently, they had enough power that they were going to get their own way. So I pulled this guy aside. I said, look, let's just wrestle again. What do you think? Now, this was a very foolish thing for a young man to do. And I had become a little arrogant, having just pinned this guy. And I just assumed I was going to do it again. The problem is, he was smart enough to not get caught in the same hold. Yeah. was not his first rodeo. And uh, we wrestled, I don't know, five or six rounds. We went way into overtime. And we were stuck at three to three. Now, the thing is, <clears throat> where he wrestled, his school had a team. And this is the end of the season. My school didn't have a team. We played basketball. And so this was just the start of my season. I wasn't in good shape yet. And, and if you want to know a little something about being in shape for wrestling, I played football for a whole season. When, when I went to school in Washington, we had a football team and also a wrestling team. So Friday night was our last game. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, wrestling practice. Tuesday morning, I thought they had killed me. And I had just been playing football. It took a grand commitment to be part of that team, of your physical body and your emotion. And you had to put your strength. And you had to be passionate about it, or you weren't going to be good at it. So I Winnie, know, I know you're all waiting for the outcome of this match. <laughs> and um, like I said, it was you know, the fifth, maybe sixth, seventh round anyway. You're only supposed to wrestle three rounds. But um, I, I went into the, to the last round that we wrestled, and um, I did an early season mistake and slipped and fell on my butt. And all he had to do was touch me, and that was two points. So I lost. And I was out. But I finished sixth, which was pretty good, having started 33rd. But it wasn't good enough, because I couldn't go on. That was just the Western Nationals. You had to finish in the top three to get to the big deal. I didn't make it. And that was the last time I ever wrestled at that kind of a level. Because the next season, I blew my knee up. That was a good story <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Mute me, please Excuse me So I have to figure out how to make my iPad not keep shutting off. So this song that we just listened to uh, came out in 1965. So it's the same age as I am. However, it's not really what we're talking about. But I need a reference point. I need something to wake you up. Okay. So now that we're all awake and we understand where we're at, the name of this sermon is Unchained Melody, obviously. And um, of these, what kind of passion here would you to serve God with passion. Love, okay? What else? fight. you fight, right? Way. Don't you? If he says go, do this, do it because you're not going to fail. He, he's already made the way. He's made the way. You just have to be obedient, right? Yeah, you just do it. Does that mean you're unopposed? No, no. It doesn't mean you're unopposed. Many Christians will have that attitude going into a fight. I'm going to go do it because God said so, and so we're going to win, right? Well, then, then Satan st- stands up and pokes him in the eye. Oh, I must, I must be out of God's will. No, you're out of God's will if you sit down and quit. That's when you're out of God's will. If you feel God has told you to do something, or like in the Bible it says, go ye unto all the earth and spread his word, <laughs> and you don't, which is the sin? Not doing it. Sin is very simple to define. It's disobedience. That's all it is. If you're put on the earth to do a certain thing, and you know what it is, oh, it's too hard. That's sin. No, no, I'm just going to watch TV. No, that's sin. Well, what's wrong with TV? Don't get me started. (laughs) But the box in and of itself is fine. It's just that when... Many things that we watch are basically an open sewer onto our living room floor. But there are a lot of good things on TV. It's a tool that can be used for good, or it can be used to poison your mind. Just like music, or literature, or even if you serve God in an arrogant spirit. That's sin. There is no room in God's kingdom for arrogance. Oh, boy. Hey. Okay, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Notice it doesn't say you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. It takes the time to separate them. It takes the time to make each one of them as important as the other. Because if you serve God with all your heart and soul and let your might lack behind, you will lose. If you serve the Lord your God with all your might and all your hope, but let your soul lack behind, what are you? You're a pretty sad person. Should Christians ever be sad? That does not mean that bad things don't happen to us. And we have times where we mourn. When my father died, I mourned and mourned and mourned. He was my best friend. I loved him dearly. I still love him dearly. And at 20 years old, I wasn't ready to let him go. Not even close. He was my fishing buddy. You know? And... Um, He was a dad that I could talk to like I was his friend, like I was a man, not like he was an authority over me. Yet I always knew it was there because of who he was. It was a great relationship, and when he exited my life prematurely, I was beat up. And as a young man, I've been a truck driver since I was 19, And I had a dashboard. I was at work when I found out he died, and I beat it flat, not even realizing what I was doing. And then I had to fix it. That was passion coming out of me, wasn't it? It was mournful. It was sad. It was ugly to watch. It was anger. It was anger. And it was ungodly. But it wakened something up in me that I didn't know was there. I'd always had it, but I didn't know it. I learned that I could cry, and it was okay. It was okay. And I learned that I can write poetry. And I learned that I could romance my wife. And it was OK. And I I like it. It's fun. And I should do it more. (laughs) Here's something that will wake you up a little bit. What if you were Isaac and you're out with Abraham and he says to you, Climb up on the altar, son. How old was Abraham when he asked that 15 year old to climb up on that altar? He was an old dude. If Isaac didn't want to, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right? How many of you have ever seen a 125 year old man force a 15 year old to do what he wants? No. So, with that willingness that Isaac had, because Abraham, Abraham had taught it to him his whole life, he bred a passion in him to serve, and by his love of his father and the trust in him, he climbed up on that altar and was ready to die. And we know the story, don't we? Abraham had the knife... Ready to go. Two and a half seconds later, and there's no stopping us. It's over. And then a very interesting thing happened. The Holy Spirit got Abraham's attention. And what Abraham said would happen actually happened. Because he told Isaac, he said, God will provide himself the lamb. And it's worded just like that. That is so deep. Isn't our God amazing that he can for an instant put a little phrase and it has such deep significance 2,000 years later or 4,000 years later or however long it was. Because Jesus was what? The The Lamb. Something happened to my wife recently where the Lord <laughs> spoke to her. How, how did He put that to you? Jesus about is about the only one know, that's. the only one who's ever been separated from God. Jesus is the only person who ever has been separated from the love of God that's ever lived. He's the only one God forsook. <clears throat> We've always been taught. It was hard for Jesus because you know he took on the sin of the world and, and and yes, that's terrible. But whom he had known for eternity was suddenly gone. Gone. Ripped from him. It wasn't a clean surgical thing. It was a destructive. Horrible, brutal emotion. All passion he knew was in that when that happened. And he cried out, didn't he? He bellered it, I think. My God! My God! Why? The Bible does not put in emotions. We have to figure them out. Why? Imagine if the person that is most important to you suddenly exited your life and you had, you thought no hope of reconciliation with that. How do you feel? It would wreck you, wouldn't it? Yeah. And Jesus went through that for you so that you could be with him forever. How do we not do what He asks us to do? How do we not? How do we not? It takes a lot of rebellion to not do what He's asked us to do when we understand what's going on. Rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. 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 Ouch. Do what you see father doing. Is that easy? Boy, it was when I was a little kid. I'd watch my dad. He'd get a screwdriver out. He'd fix the car. So I'd take a screwdriver to the car, and he'd always catch me just before I ruined the paint. <laughs> We're going fishing. We'll just watch dad and do it like dad does. And pretty soon I got the line wrapped around my ankles, and I got one foot in the water, and I've scared all the fish away. And you know what he did? Picked me out of the water, unwound me, fixed my line, showed me how to do it again, and went way down the bank so that there was fish. (laughs) (laughs) But as I got older, doing what Dad did was not as easy. The thought process was the same, but the task was harder. The task was harder. When I was six years old, he encouraged me to go get a job. And I did. And I've been employed ever since. But as I got older, the tasks that I had to do were harder. They required more thought. They required more of me. And uh, when I was a freshman in high school, we moved to California. And we were on staff out at Richardson Springs. You guys know where that is? Springs Living Water called YWAM now. And uh, every summer, all the kids had to go help one of their parents do whatever it is they did for six hours a day. Well, um, my dad had been a guy who built roads and a plumber. And so I got to learn how to plumb and how to build roads. There was this one particular road where it had a bank like this. And then there was the road and then a cliff. And it just happened to be the road up to our house. And it was full of these huge potholes. And he says, I'm going to fix that road. And they said, don't bother. You'll put the rock in. The rain will wash it out the next winter. He said, no, it won't. And they said, oh, yeah, that's how it always happens. He says, that's because you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So we went out. And he's looking at this. He says, Craig, this hillside is sandstone. So we're going to get little rocks that are all broken up and put them in the hole. And he's getting excited. (laughs) And he says, what they've done before is they get these baseball side rocks and they put them in there. And it has nothing to do with the water. The car pushes it out all by itself. So we're going to put these broken rocks in here. And then we're going to take the sandstone and we're going to pack it in really tight and then we're going to drive over it with the truck and pack it in, and drive over it with the truck and pack it in. And on the, on the I said, well, where are we going to get the sandstone? And he goes, we're going to make a ditch right here so the water doesn't come over the road. And you know what? We did that, and that road was still there two years later when we left, and it hadn't changed. It was a good road. But my dad had a passion for roads. Doesn't that sound dumb? How can you have a passion for asphalt, (laughs) right? But he did. He loved making new roads. And one of his most favorite things was to find a place where the road was beat to pieces and to fix what somebody else couldn't fix, because he had a gift. And I think, really, it wasn't he had a gift for fixing road. He was just had the gift of tenacity. The road's not going to beat me, you know? But that's passion, isn't it? That's what you need to let go out of yourself. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal or fires come through and wreck the whole town. Okay? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal, and fire does not come and destroy the whole town. That's, my, that's called a Craigism, those little interjections, okay? That's, that's my opinion. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your treasure? What do you treasure? What is important? It isn't your house. It's important to have a place to live. Your family is important. Your church family, even more so. I can prove that scripturally if you'd like, but that's another sermon. (laughs) But what is more important than that is heaven. Getting to heaven is important but getting to be there with the Savior is even more so. Because you know on that day where the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? They're not going to be forced to do that. The beauty of our Savior is going to overtake them. And they with passion will do it. And they will go to hell anyway. But us, we get to stay. We get to be there With the Savior, whose love is so far beyond anything we can imagine. Gary, do you know how much love that is? You can only imagine, yeah. But you can't, can you? But we should try, because it's fun. Because Jesus is that good. He's that kind. He's that wonderful. He's that amazing. He is that so much full of everything we desire to be with. Why? Because he can't help it. See how these two are sitting? Why, Why is that? Yeah, they can't help it. Because you are adorable. Yes, you are. Yes. And we love that, don't we? We love to watch new couples, don't we? It is fun. It is beautiful, and it's refreshing. When we were in high school, there was an older couple that they would go for a walk every day. And every day, they would hold hands. And they were in their 70s, and I don't remember their name. But he was the bookkeeper, and I don't know what she did. But still, they'd been married 55 years. And every afternoon they'd go for a walk, and they'd hold hands. And it was absolutely beautiful. And all of us kids would be like, I want that. Oh, I want that. I got to have that. That's real passion, because I'm telling you, they didn't get along every second of every day. Now, I never saw them fight. I never even saw them have a crossword for one another. But I know they're people, and I know people. And people are pigs. By and large, people want their own way. And we get selfish, don't we? And we get tired and hungry, and then we get cranky. And he or she will say one little thing and we're like, oh yeah, is that right? Well, you bring that over here and I'll show you all about it. Don't we? Sure. But do you make up? Do you let it bother you? Does it fester and boil and make this ugly, ugly wound? If you don't do something about it, it sure will. And pretty soon, The fact that she forgot to put the toothpaste on the cap and you squeezed out too much toothpaste on your toothbrush causes a divorce. Churches have split because of the color of the carpet. How five-year-old is that? Very five-year-old, yeah. Their passion was misdirected, wasn't it? Passion should be something that unifies or protects Passion should be something that we enjoy because that's what God put it here for. It should not be to cause misery and wreak havoc in someone's life or any group of people's lives. So where's your heart? No, that was a question. Where's... (laughs) Thank you, Dale. It is right here, yes. Where is your heart's desire? It can't be here, can it? It has to be with God. Now, you can't be so much into God that you forget everybody else. And let me tell you, you've heard the the term, um, so heavenly minded, no earthly good? That is a lie. If you are actually heavenly minded, you are the best earthly good. The thing is, people get heavenly-minded, and then they get arrogant about it, and then they get prideful. Oh, let me show you how to spell pride. I bet you don't know how. No, 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 no. That's not how you spell pride. No, no. This is how you spell pride. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ugly word. It's too bad it's got five letters you think about it, it'll come <laughs> there it is We always say we'll do it tomorrow. Right? What is tomorrow? You don't have tomorrow. You don't have it. You don't have walking out of this building. You've got right then, and right then, and right then. And you also have what you already did. You can't fix what you already did. But you can use that so that if you get After that, you don't mess it up. That's what you get. And if you are focused on God and your passion is into him, he will see to it that you make the right decision. He will see to it that at least you know what it is that you should decide. Now, whether you do it or not is up to you. That's a you thing. That's where I get into trouble. When it's up to me, I make mistakes. When it's up to God, we do great. So what happens if you take tomorrow for granted? Or if you say, I'm laying all this up for tomorrow, and God's not in it? It will ruin you. How many times have you seen people win the lottery, and the next thing you know, they're divorced, and they're suing each other over the money, or, or whatever? Money will answer all our problems. No, no, it won't. It will take care of some needs. Now, now, money is not the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, many kinds of evil, actually, is what it says. Money is a tool, just, just like this stupid thing that keeps shutting off on me. Or like this. Or like your car or a shovel, or an axe. It's just a tool. Now, it's a tool that can do a lot of very wonderful things. My wife and I, we love to be generous. And we especially love to be generous in secret. It's a ball. And we don't get to do it nearly enough. Why? Because we don't have enough money. (laughs) (laughs) But we also enjoy to be generous with our time, which people seem to enjoy even more. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What can you do when there's quiet waters? You can't think if you're silly enough to do so.
1: You can nap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) nap. You can take a nap. You can take a nap which is always good for thinking, too. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) He restores my soul. That means more energy. That means a recharge. That means your passion can be infused with God's presence. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake for himself, so that you can bless him. I want to bless God. I so often don't. But I really want to. And I look for ways to do so. I do. I want to be successful in those thoughts that he shows me. I not only want to be obedient to them, I want to succeed. I want to get me out of the way I want to be the vehicle, but not the power. Okay? Your car won't go anywhere without the engine in it unless you push it. It's not very efficient, is it? It goes pretty well if the motor starts, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And how far will it go if you put water in a gas tank? Not very far. So with you, if you run on God's fuel how far will you go? As far as you need to. Yeah. Yeah. If you run on your fuel, how far will you go? Not nearly far enough. (laughs) Well, you might. (laughs) You might go backwards. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. And for the shepherd, the rod and the staff are two different things. One has a hook. You know what that's for? Get the sheep out of danger. The rod, that's for discipline. Yeah. Now, many shepherds just use the one, just different ends, right? But it can also be for protection, because when the wolf comes, it can be used to crack it in the head or anything else. That is how a rod and a staff is a comfort to us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, when I was young and I'd read that, I'd go, I don't don't like that. I don't want my enemies all hovering around me while I eat dinner. I don't want them coming down here and picking stuff off my table. Well, wait a minute. If God set the table for you in the presence of the enemies, it's his food. What do you care what he does with it? As long as he's feeding you, don't worry so much about what the enemy is trying to do, but worry more about what you're supposed to do. Then when you are confronted with the enemy, you will be able to defeat him because you have practiced. Your passion is into your practice. You have become proficient at being a Christian. And whatever the enemy throws at you, you are ready. Because you have to be. Because God has put you through his training program. Right? What happens if you try to do it yourself? That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Isn't that beautiful? That's like the best. Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord on Tuesday. (laughs) Forever. Forever. How great is our God. You know, as I was studying for this, I had a very hard week. And every day I was going to come home and study for today. And it just didn't work out. (laughs) And then uh, last night I got home and I said, you know, I have to study. And Debbie says, well, we're going to go out to eat, me and the kids. You want to go? Of course I want to (laughs) go. But I can't. I have to study. I have to do this. And it was fine. Um, And actually, she had notified me before I got home so everybody knew what was going on by the time I got there. But I I was going through all these scriptures. I had so many scriptures that if I'd have got up here and read for an hour, we wouldn't be done. If I'd have just read on passion or zeal or any synonym that goes with those two. The Bible is full of encouragement for you. Isn't that great? Don't you love to be encouraged? I think it's one of the best things there is. I love to be an encourager. It's wonderful. I don't really like to be confrontational and tell you that you're wrong. Because that's not encouraging. Normally. But it can be. If you do it right. Which I don't. Anyway. um, A few weeks ago, back over here during worship, I received this Craig, (laughs) to me, Craig, (laughs) listen. This is how you need to say things, Craig. I am for you, so Craig is for Jesus. Okay? Not against Jesus. If I am for him, who can be against me? We've all heard the scripture, if he is for us, who can be against us, right? But the Lord changed it a little bit so I could think, so that I maybe get it right. I don't know. But if I'm for him, who can be against me? Because if I'm for him, I'm with him, aren't I? Now, he loves me whether I'm with him or not. But if I'm with him, what are you going to do about it? Who's going to pluck me out of his hand? If I put a quarter in my hand, how many of you think you could come get it out of my hand? Maybe one or two of you. Maybe. But I doubt it. Because I'm pretty tenacious about my quarters. (laughs) I am not. How much stronger is God and tenacious about what he has than I am, or you are. If you are for him, who can be against you? Be with him, be for him, be in his presence, be on his lap, be crawling over his head, be saying, Jesus, will you play with me? What do you think about going and playing a game of catch? What do you think about this, Jesus? What do you think about that, Jesus? What do you think we do now, Jesus? What do you want me to do today, Jesus? What do you want me to pray about, Jesus? And you know what he'll do? Well, I want you to do this. And blah, 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 blah. And he converse with you. If you listen. If you listen. Listen is not just hearing, is it? Listen is in, through your mind, do. We're getting to the good part, I promise. Psalm 73, 25. Who have I... I'm sorry, whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. What has he done? Anybody, what has he done? Something obvious. What's he done? Oh, come on. What's he done? He He died for us. Good. What else? Came down here and lived. What else? Hmm? He loves us.
1: Given us power and
0: authority. Yes. Over what?
1: The penalty and the power
0: of sin. Uh huh. And what else? He blessed us
1: with prosperity, blessings, and happiness.
0: Yes. And he made this earth for us to have domain over. If we do what Gary just said. And all that other things that we've been talking about will come to pass if we move in things with the knowledge of what Dale said. We're being a family right now. Do you see this? Isn't this good? I'm having a ball. I don't know about you guys. What is a wretch? A despicable and contemptible person. Ever sing Amazing Grace? Ever read the writings of Paul? Wretch. It's a word used a lot to describe what you were and what you should no longer be. Having the knowledge of what that is, when you've come to Christ, remember that he calls you a saint. So you need to behave as he called you, because who of us wants to make him a liar? Or even make people think that he's a liar? I was talking to a guy at a health club once. And he says to me, God has forsaken me. I said, no, he hasn't. He says, you're right. Jesus has forsaken me. I
1: said,
0: that's just so wrong. <laughs> and uh, so instead of, you know, arguing with the pig in the mud I said, why do you think that? And he, he lays out his life for me, and I said, okay, this, that was a you thing. That's not his fault. This, that was a you thing. That's not his fault. And we went through this whole list of stuff as to why and arrived at the conclusion that Jesus had not forsaken him, but he had pulled himself from Jesus. And it can be just a little thing just a little thing as insignificant as leaving the cap off the toothpaste because that's pretty silly to get mad about isn't it yeah yeah there's lots of things to get mad about pick the right ones you know the Bible doesn't say that you shouldn't get angry it says be angry and sin not Yeah. So what are you supposed to be angry at? Injustice. Injustice. The enemy. Anything the enemy does. Picture this. Close your eyes for a minute. There's a red swing hanging from a tree, and you're on it. You're swinging back and forth. There's a gentle breeze blowing. It's a summer day, but it's the delta breeze, and so it's nice and cool. You're having a good time. Nobody's bothering you. You're just enjoying the swing. Not too high, just gently back and forth. (laughs) Wind's kind of blowing the grasses around. Trees, the leaves are rustling a little bit. It's a beautiful day. You're just really enjoying this. And the Lord speaks to you. And he says, what do you have to say to me you're going to be here all day. Okay, what do you say? You can open your eyes now. What, what, what do you say? What do you tell him? It should be easy, shouldn't it? Oh, God, you're so wonderful. If nothing else, you could praise, couldn't you? Because just in what I've expressed to you, there's a million things that you, your mind's eye could see to say, Oh, God, how did you do that? How did you make it so that this little bitty gnat still has enough brains to fly around and get food? How did you do that? How did you do that? How did you make it so that every stock of wheat is different from every other stock of wheat? How did you do that? How great is our God. He is amazing. Why? Because he is the king. He is the king. Not like, you know, the king of England who's going to die. Or the king of Czechoslovakia or wherever. Or King David who was the only king God said is a man after my own heart. And we all know how badly David screwed up. That's been well publicized. Even sinners know about that. But he is the king in perfection, in love and deed and knowledge and strength and joy and passion and grace and hope and mercy and judgment and wrath. He is the king. And if you don't think our God has wrath, you have not read his word. Because he can use wrath. And on judgment day, there's going to be a lot of people that find out more about it than they care to know. But he is the king. Matthew 6.21 starts out, For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. And then it says, His voice comes... I'm sorry, that's not not part of the scripture. This is a Craigism. (laughs) His voice comes from where the thunder hides. Where does thunder hide? You don't know you don't know. We just know when it appears because it lets us know. But that God that can do that is coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. I want to ask you something. I, I don't want an answer on this one. Okay? This church, is this church a church without spot or wrinkle? And since you all said no, what about you can help this church be a church without spot or wrinkle so that if Jesus comes back he takes this church as a church without spot or wrinkle because we know since we've received him as our Savior and we love him we're going to heaven we know that right but what if he's waiting for just this church to be the church without spot or wrinkle what if the rivers is holding him back how many of you want to have that set on your tombstone no, no. So what do we do as a group, as an individual, corporately and separately, to be a church without spot or wrinkle? Figure out why we don't have passion. Figure out, out. yeah. Why don't we have
1: passion?
0: Or why is your passion askew? If
1: passion is such a good thing, why don't we have it? Enough
0: Why don't you? Where
1: did it go? Who
0: Where did it, it go? Thing? Who took it? Yeah, the why enemy why took it, out. didn't he? He comes to kill and steal and destroy. Yeah.
1: I've had things stolen from me, and it makes me want to fight back. Yeah. It stirs my passion when something's taken that I really want. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It. Does it matter what it is? No, it's just—it's no, just, it's yours, isn't it?
1: Because the enemy, when he steals your passion, he also steals your peace. Yeah. And I don't do anything without the peace of God. That, that's yeah. what I live for. If I have the peace of God, then I know I'm where
0: He wants me to be. If you have the peace of God, the passion will exist, won't it? It Will. Yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So all of you have something. If we walk in the Spirit, we're not. Say it again. Right, Amen. right. So we have, to, we have to walk in the Spirit, don't we? How much trouble do you get in, though, if you're walking in the Spirit and then you stop? And how sad are you when you do that? Pretty sad. Pretty sad. So what what about us makes us want to stay walking in the Spirit? The love of Christ, and that's it. You've got to have Him running through you, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: When he first revealed the truth to me, that was the most important thing I'd ever experienced. I I understood his reality. He spoke a truth to me, and I felt changed on the inside. From that moment on, I know that everything he has for me is good. And I want. Everything he has
0: for you, yeah. Even if
1: I don't know what it is, that was so good and so real. The first real thing in my life its that burning in my bosom, whatever you want to call it, that, okay, everything else, all these other things I've been doing, they don't matter anymore. That was real. Yeah. And I want to chase after what was real because he's the one who makes everything good.
0: Chase God, huh? Chase God. With all your passion, chase God.
1: Because everything else just doesn't work. Yeah. And that works. His truth
0: touched So if you have passion... If you're passionate what can strengthen passion? Uh, loving your neighbors. reaching out to them loving them. Well that's an exercise of passion yes. So that would strengthen your passion.
1: Keeping
0: his If you would thread into passion desperation. Mm-hmm. Cuz if, if you if you understand what that is we've all held our breath right? Everybody's held your breath. When you first take that next gulp of air, how happy are your lungs? How happy is your mind, your heart? Because you've got to have air. You've got to. And if someone is limiting your ability to breathe, you become desperate for it, don't you? And you'll do anything to breathe. And if you can become... Desperate in your passion for Christ, what will stop you from pursuing him? Nothing. Nothing would stop you. So why did I call this an unchained melody? If you have an unchained melody, melody in your heart, that breeds joy, doesn't it? If you are unchained, you are what? Free. 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 You have an unchained melody. You have unchained worship, unchained praise, unchained love, unchained passion, unchained desperate passion. Desperate for the things of God. I got to have it or I can't live. I got to have Jesus or I can't breathe. I got to have Jesus or why am I here? Why am I here? Colossians 3.12 so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gent- gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should. I'm sorry. So also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then you will be able to fight with desperate passion for freedom in Christ Don't ever forget that part it's got to be about Christ doesn't matter you can be as passionate as you want and if it isn't about Christ it's worthless So this this is the big statement of the day right here this is the one the point we're trying to make well, if this eraser was just a little worse, I don't know what we'd do. If you are not living for Jesus, you're not living at all. You're existing. We were not put here to exist. We weren't put here to say good morning to the neighbor, go to work, get married, have babies, raise more people to say good morning to the neighbor. That's not why we're here. That's existing. We are here to lead other people to Him, to live for Him, to do His will, and thereby enter a realm called abundant, exceedingly great joy, which is where we all want to be. You, you ever been sad? Any of you ever been sad? I'm the only one. All been sad, sure. Would you rather be sad or happy? Happy. Would In your happiness, would you like to achieve grand, abundant, exuberant joy? Yes. Sure. We'd all like to be Tigger, wouldn't we? Well, maybe not like that, but, you know, that kind of woo Right? Yeah. Doesn't he just look like he's having fun all the time? All the time. I want to have fun all the time. I want everything I do to be fun. Everything. Guess what? It's not. Going to work stinks. Getting up at 2:45 every morning really stinks. I don't like it. It's not fun. Well, then I need to make some adjustments, don't I? Yeah. Cuz you know what? It should be fun. How could it ever be fun? It's two forty-five, and let me tell you something: God does not care what time it is to spread joy around. That's right. He's excited about two forty-five in the morning. He is. He really is. Not because it's two forty-five, because he's God and he gets to be excited. He's excited about you. He's excited about you no matter how you feel about him or anybody else. He is still in love with you. He still wants to be with you. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether you then eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So, what is your promised land? Here on earth, not, not out of here. Here on earth, what is your promised land? You are your promised land. You can only change you. You can only control you. Nobody else can do either of those things. They can make your life miserable if you don't do what they want them to do or any of a number of silly things. But you are yours. And really... That's all that's yours. So fight for this against the enemy. Fight against him in sickness and when you're healthy and when you're happy or you're sad, fight against him. If he's not picking on you, then go pick a fight. Go poke him in the eye. But I'm telling you, if you do, you better be ready to finish it. And you have the power within you to do so. Because God said so. The most youngest baby Christian has the power within them to do so. And it can get really ugly. The enemy can do all kinds of yucky, ugly things to, to a person, even if they're a Christian. But we have the power to excel beyond that. We should be the toughest people on the planet. We have to be. We have to be. Psalm 63, 1. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. How great is our God? How great will you let him be? Maybe is the better question. Because you limit what he wants to do in you. Only you, not me. I can pray for you. I can ask God, I can beg God, I can weep before the Lord, I can fast for you, I can all kinds of things for you. But until you decide that's what you're going to do, it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. What have you got that is so important that you're not going to let go of it to let God have his way in your heart? What is it? We all got something. What is it? Or maybe how many things? Or is it just as simple as if I just take this one pebble out, the whole thing comes tumbling down? Because you know what? The foundation of the enemy is built like this it's an upside down teepee. The foundation of God is solid as the rock that he is. Who can dent that? Who could destroy that? Who could anything to that? Lord, you are all things. You are great and mighty and good. You are passion. You are strength. You are holiness. You are grace, hope, and mercy. You are all things that we want to be with. You are the most attractive being. To converse with there is. Help us each see in our hearts where we are to get rid of what blocks us from you. What blocks us from having relationship with you? What blocks us from being healed? What blocks us from our emotions being well? What blocks us from not having things in our path that you didn't that, that shouldn't be there? Help us to see it. Help us to obedient. Help us to get rid of it. Teach us how to fight and fight well. Teach us to fight to be victorious, and have the freedom that you have died for. Lord, it just struck me that if we don't pursue these things and obtain the freedom that you died for, we're in sin. We're in sin forgive us our sin. Help us to pursue you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to me droll on here for I don't know how long. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rain today and that uh, you have a wonderful week. So.